Episode 53, Patrick and Cyprian speak with Dr. Johannes Oberreuter, Data Science Technical Lead at Machine Learning Reply. Among other topics, the team discuss classical neural networks, quantum networks, hybrid approaches, and the ongoing reduction of resource needs and improving accuracy of neural networks. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian. Hey, Cyprian, how are you doing? Hi, Patrick. I'm doing well and looking forward for another great episode of Entangled Things. I think you're in for a treat then because uh, we're joined by Johannes. Johannes, welcome. And do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Not at all. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Cyprian, for having me. Um, my name is Johannes, Johannes Oberreuter. I'm a physicist by training and somewhat by nature. Um, I've been studying in uh, Munich, Heidelberg, and mathematics I've studied in Cambridge. Um, I did a PhD in uh, early universe cosmology, followed by two postdocs in uh, quantum many-body dynamics, uh, which kind of hinted my later path because then I joined a company called uh, Reply. It's an IT consulting company mainly. Uh, so we do a lot of projects. I'm a machine learning specialist there. Um, but you also do some innovation. So already five years ago, we started uh, diving into the subject of quantum computing in general. And my background was, of course, very helpful there. And I was really enthusiastic uh, to be able to, given, to, to be given this, comp this opportunity to, um, to, to see what's happening and what's, what's developing in this field. And since a couple of years, I'm co-leading the innovation group of Reply on quantum computing. That's awesome. Um, so is there anything you'd like to talk about today? You seem to have, you're, you're in the middle of a lot of things that are quantum computing related. Is there anything that's catching your eye you'd like to discuss? Well, um, just, just uh, quite recently, um, I had the chance to talk to a lot of experts um, in quantum computing because I visited a conference in the United States. And that was focused on a particular application. But um, if I if I'm to step back from from this experience, um, my what what impresses me most is how many uh, applications there are now really using quantum computing and hybrid algorithms. So algorithms which do. Uh, on a classical computer, what a classical computer can do well and do on a quantum processing unit, what a quantum computer can naturally do very well. Um, how many of, of uh, projects there are who do this in, in practice and sometimes even in production? Uh, of course, we are uh, we are also doing that. We are also having our uh, our projects, but to see that it's more widely adopted now by by the industry uh, and also by by colleagues who are consulting um, with clients and advising them on on how to go about it, that was very encouraging because. I feel that um, there's still an opinion that quantum computing is a waiting game. It will happen at some point. There, these are just machines to play, and this is not not real. This is maybe not even real quantum systems, and it's all a big lie. <laughs> um, and my, uh, yeah, my, my, I never, I never shared this feeling, by the way, but. Um, my uh, my impression is that uh, there's so many examples now uh, shared by us and by our colleagues that um, it uh, that I hope that that more people are going to be courageous enough to to adopt this technology now because I think there's a lot of things to do. I think we can sum it up by saying this electricity thing is a fad; it's going away. <laughs> so I think quantum computing is in the same boat now. It, you know, it doesn't get a lot of press that you know how much people are actually using it. It's just the uh, we, we we had a show recently about the hype 
and we talked about um, Sabina Hussenfelder's um, accusation that there was too much hype and that quantum computing was going to crash in 10 years. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think we're we're missing a lot of the people using this thing and, and getting things done. Now, the, the conference you went to is, was mostly about D-Wave and, and, and annealing uh, adiabatic quantum computing, correct? And that's, that's where correct. a lot of the action is happening. So I think quantum computing is being judged more by, well, the universal quantum computings aren't you know, as big as I want them to be, so therefore it's a fad. That that is probably true. That um, the that in in these um, in these uh, assessments of the potential of the technology, people are. I mean, you, you have to break it down to a number or to a yes and no, and then the details get get lost a little bit. Um, I think we yeah we need to be um, we need to be a bit careful in uh, in overselling. Uh, or not to oversell things, which we actually cannot do. And in that sense, I agree with uh, Ms. Hossenfelder, because there are some people who are doing this um, on, on all sides, on the, the consulting side, on the user side, on the vendor side, and that, that is not a good thing in general. Um, one, should, one should talk about what one knows and what we can do, and one can talk about the potential, but it's, it's never good to oversell. And uh, there, there are structures of a hype. That's definitely correct. Um, but I think what conferences like Qubits and um, the, the usages of D-Wave, the D-Wave quantum annealer, and other, other examples which we have seen reported in an in orderly and honest fashion show is that we are progressing towards a usable towards usable quantum systems for computation, um, which have the benefits. And nobody's saying that, that everything will be quantum computing in a couple of years or end of the year or something like this. But um, what what one should not underestimate is uh, the speed at which this seems to be happening. Um, I'm uh, As a physicist, I was super surprised. I, I thought myself, this is something I might see in my lifetime, to be honest. And I was super surprised yeah. that uh, when 2013, I went to the March meeting of the American Physical Society, and there was a session on benchmarking, assessing one of the first D-Wave machines. Um, and there was a controversy indeed, is this a quantum machine at all or not? And that, that's 10 years ago. Okay, so that was, um, that was not, that's not so long ago, actually, if you believe, if, if you, if you um, look at how complicated this technology really is and the fact that the um the the, the how far we have come since then in in using and adopting this technology is impressive um so of course there's more work to be done no question about that but so far i see that the vendors the those who are researching the hardware which is really the hard part uh, of pro providing the technology are delivering their promises and that i find very encouraging so what's interesting about what, I mean, a lot is interesting about what you just said, but one of the things that I tuned in on is we don't really even know if any of the modalities of quantum computing we're seeing today will be the final one that is widespread in 50 years or a hundred years. It, it may be topological. It may be something that, that is artificial, like uh, superconducting qubits or something even beyond that. So um, I don't know that's one of the things is it's not like it can be judged by the current technologies because they may just be precursors. They may be the vacuum tubes of quantum computing and we still haven't <laughs> gotten to the transistor yet. It, it um, could it even was be the, that was there... the conference primarily on that stuff. Oh, go ahead. 
Um, I just want to say it, 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 it's not not even clear to me that there will be a final modality. Um, in in the end, those those machines are pretty complicated, right? It's something. I mean, never say never, but um, I, I doubt that um, that it will be our first goal to have a quantum uh, chip in your mobile phone. So this is probably not not the, the thing you should expect too quickly. Um, but um, it, it, it's kind of an accelerator, right? It's like uh, you're, a lot of companies are renting GPUs by the masses from cloud providers. In a similar fashion, I believe we will, um, we will rent uh, quantum units, quantum processors uh, at some point. This will be, the, I believe, the main usage. And why not having a chip which is very, very good at doing chemistry simulations and another chip which is very, very good at optimization and another chip which is very, very good at, say, a specific, a quantum neural networks and another one for quantum kernel methods and another one. So there could be, it could very well be that uh, that there is no final modality um, because some approaches will survive and will have their, their right. The niches. And anyway, uh, I mean, 100, 100 years out, and no idea what will happen 100 years out. I mean, we have come <laughs> from pen and paper to quantum computing in less than 100 years. So um, this is really too far away. But my, my, my vision is more, let's say, 10 years, 15 years, something like this. Um, and, and in 10 years, I believe, I, I very much believe that we'll have uh, various modalities for specific usages. So in fact, this is also something we are trying to examine now with a few partners to see, uh, to benchmark a little bit um, the, um, the various usages, various ideas we have where quantum computers can be useful and try algorithms and the combination of problem algorithm and hardware uh, to see which which combination works best for a specific class of problems. Because this is something we really need when you, if you want to advise a client, uh, we want to understand for your problem, this is what you what you really should be using or where we have a good reason, um, a, 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 say a scientific, uh, scientifically validated reason why we advise you to use this thing. And this is what I meant before. As long as you're, as you're talking out of an understanding, out of an experience of what you can do with the machines, it's okay and you're not really creating extra hype and and i think that that's what all the community should do mm. but I, I i also think that we we are already seeing kind of the crystallization of different modalities because you see at least kind of two big directions right one is the adiabatic quantum computing the other mm -hmm. one is the circuit based or the gate based uh, quantum computing and uh while obviously we do have the theoretical proof that that even with adiabatic you can get the equivalent of universal quantum computing, what we still see is that adiabatic is taking a very interesting path more along the annealing approaches and and those things. And I I because you were speaking about qubits, right? I think the, this approach is here to stay, uh, right? Uh, and I'm not even sure that it necessarily needs to eventually converge into universal quantum computing because it already has its merits. It's already proven that it has some very interesting types of applications, right? Uh, continuously evolving the Hamiltonian of a system has been proven to be something that is, is very useful in many, in many problems. And then on the other side, you have the folks who are saying we are kind of striving for the more discrete approach, the circuit or the gate-based uh, uh, type of, of quantum computing. So I wouldn't be surprised, for example, to see even more alternatives emerging in in times. And, and I believe one of them, like one of the good candidates, is to see some kind of specialization around the field of machine learning. I, 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 I think, obviously, why I, I think that we could benefit from universal quantum computing applied to machine learning, 
I also think, based on what we've discussed with a number of other guests, that you could easily see some more specialized quantum computing approaches that would be like targeted on some very specific kind of problems in machine learning. If we're thinking from the point of view of optimization, for example, right, we have huge optimization problems to deal with, especially in deep neural networks and, and things like that. So I would like to hear a little bit about like what's your take on, on this direction of, of using things from, from, from quantum computing in the specific field, or well, specific is an <laughs> uh, overstatement, I think, in the general field of machine learning. Yeah, thank you very much for for pointing that out or for asking that. Um, I think that that's very interesting because machine learning is ubiquitous, right? We have a lot of applications, and uh, it is also resource demanding. I mean, the first step or the one of the enabling factors for uh, for neural networks was the usage of GPUs, right? So the, the the, the hardware is really necessary and needs to improve in order to do uh, machine learning properly. And of course, then it's very interesting to see what quantum computing can do. And I think there are there are various aspects. Um, one aspect is that we see that with um, um, with neural networks, for instance, and there have been experiments that quantum processors can help to reduce uh, the number of data needed to train a neural network um, and also to lead to higher, to better results, to higher accuracy, to lower, um, yeah, to, to better re reduction, faster reduction of the loss function. And that is quite interesting and quite important because um, it is always expensive and very, very difficult to get good data. Um, we, have, we have a lot of pools now, but um, I mean, um, language models like uh, GPT, the GPT models series, for instance, they are, they're reading all of the internet, right? And, and a few libraries. Um, and, uh, but, but it's, it's very costly to do this. And if you're working with such a model uh, in a, in a business setting, uh, this, this can be easily be uh, your biggest expense. So to reduce the, the resource needs uh, for, for your networks, it's a, a very, um, very important, very useful thing. Um, the other thing, of course, is if you have a higher accuracy, um, that, that is also very useful because you can use the neural network in a, in a wider uh, application setting. Um, these are results. I, I know papers which are reporting these results. Um, and we have tested these results for uh, for hybrid neural networks, um, meaning that there was a setup. We didn't invent that. We, we took that from the literature where you use uh, a classical neural network for feature extraction, meaning the classical neural network is doing what, it's, what it can do very well, namely taking in a lot of data and reducing these data to what is essential. And then um, these, these features, these, the, the essence of the data, so to speak, is going to be fed into a quantum uh, network or a, qu a quantum processor where we don't have so many resources yet, we don't have so many qubits yet, um, and is trying to find a good representation of the data which you later on can uh, use for classification. That is the hybrid setup which we tested. Uh, and we saw that um, for the, the task we were at, namely an image classification problem, um, neural networks, uh, artificial neural networks, standard neural networks were performing more or less as good as uh, quantum-enhanced neural networks. For us, this was a success because um, the, the, the problem of image analysis is something we understand very, very well how to do uh, in, in classical neural networks. It's not super resource demanding as compared to natural language processing, uh, and it, it has has very, very high accuracies. So we couldn't even hope to get beyond this. You cannot 
get better than perfect, right? So um, for us, it was already encouraging to see that um, that we can get on par. Um, now, what we are still looking after in this setting is, uh, I, I would like to call it a quantum sweet spot because I, I think we have kind of burned the, the word quantum supremacy. But a, a quantum sweet spot where you can say, look, this is this is now exactly the problem where this architecture is is useful, and where you should try that. Um, for that, we have, uh, I mean, we are doing, we are running experiments. Uh, one idea is to go more towards physical data, sensor data, these things, um, because we have read in the literature that this is something where we where, the, where supposedly quantum computers uh, get a, indeed a better representation um, than classical neural networks. Um, another thing is uh, that we are trying to de devise measures. We, tr we try to understand can we what parts of the of the physics in the neural network or in the, in the quantum part of the neural network. Um, what what indicators are there which say okay for this problem this is really this is really doing something and we have we have looked uh, at some interpretability measures we've looked at some yeah, entanglement measures since we're at entangled things um, but we are we, we are not there yet where we could say okay look this is something we could uh, definitely use in a in a productive in a in a in a real setup but this is ongoing research uh, on on our part and uh, I believe uh, in a lot of other groups as well um, to understand for which problem is this really the relevant thing. Um, we have seen reports. I, I, yes, please. Uh, no, no, sorry. Go ahead. Now, I want to say we, we have seen reports, and that's why I said we, we kind of burned maybe quantum supremacy a bit. Um, there was this experiment which I found very, very impressive as it was when it was reported. Um, but it, we have to keep in mind that this was an experiment. Uh, that the, I mean, the Google experiment, um, which is not useful for anything, right? I mean, it's uh, from of practical use. It is impressive that you can do this technically, and that you can do the scaling analysis, and you can say, look, this is something um, which. Presumably, I don't want to go too much into the detail of the discussion, which followed the whole thing, but presumably something which is really, really difficult on classical computers. But it's not really useful. And that's what I mean with the quantum sweet spot. Of course, you can always find yourself a racetrack uh, for which your car is best suited and another car is not. Um, but it's a racetrack. Um, do you want to take your Formula One car onto the street? Um, maybe it's not useful. So... Um, Maybe for a dirt road, you want to use a different car than for the than in the inner city, uh, and get another code for uh, another car for the um, the highway, right? So um, I, I think this to to find real uh, real application settings uh, and to confidently say, look, this is a good machine for this or a good approach for this problem um, is is very very important. It's so, walking before running. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah it's walking. Uh, I just wanted to. To get a little bit into your your physics background, because it's yes, it's it's a, it's a treat to have guests uh, uh, <laughs> also with, with with physics background. Uh, we know that that currently, even if you look at across the different approaches, like whether it's annealing or it's circuit based, uh, it seems that that uh, superconducting qubits and and trapped ions are are one of the most successful. And then we have all the the slew of other like modalities which are, let's say, uh, still trying to prove themselves, right? I would like to to ask you, what do you think about uh, this other, which is theoretically very promising approach, the the, the topological uh, approach to building building qubits? Um, both Patrick and I, we um, are are quite close to to what is uh, typically happening in, in Microsoft, and we saw. First, the fall in 2018 when they essentially announced that, look, uh, we finally found the elusive 
uh, particle, which is its own anti-particle, the, the, the Majorana fermion, right? Uh, just to kind of be burned publicly uh, for those results. But this year, uh, sorry, last year, 2022, we saw a much more convincing uh, uh, kind of type of evidence that they actually identified and were, were able to, to prove the Majorana zero modes and, and the approach of the topological nanowires and, and all, all, all that tech. Uh, I would like to ask the physicist now, <laughs> uh, what, what do you think uh, of this? Because it still seems to me, right, it's, it's not yet where either superconducting or, or trapped ions uh, are. But from a certain point of view, it seems that it also holds a lot of potential, provided that it actually becomes a thing, meaning it will be able to, to be used to, to build stable enough qubits. So in in, uh, in the line of of, uh, of obligation, which I laid upon myself earlier to talk about what I know, I have to disclose that this is not my area of expertise. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, that was nothing I did research on. I'm not an expert. I was never in it's the lab. It's mine neither. But, so. <laughs> but, but You're in good company. Said, with that said, no, it's just, uh, I mean, uh, it's just, just to, to, to make it clear that, that other people are much more knowledgeable on, on the difficulties of doing that. In general, why is that important? The important thing is that quantum systems are fragile. We are not we are not perceiving the world um, as quantum. We are perceiving it as, as classical because whatever quantum properties there are, and we know that they are there at the fundamental level, at the nuclear level, at the atomic level. Um, we know that there, there are quantum properties, but they go away. And they go away because of the coherence, because they, they are fragile, essentially. So maintaining a quantum system is very difficult, especially if you want to um, want to interact with it, doing measurements, doing computations. And that is exactly the criticism of Sabine Hossenfelder, saying, look, this is really, really, really difficult to control a large-scale quantum system. Um, I'm not exactly sure about the, um, the latest news. I remember at some point, um, Anton Zeilinger, the Nobel laureate of last year, he did experiments with interfering uh, insulin molecules, so really big bio, um, biomolecules, but that was a real achievement. Maybe they have now even bigger molecules, but um, th this, is, this is really difficult, and we have to appreciate that it's difficult. So um, topological qubits have the advantage that um, they are, in, in a way, protected by setup because topology means yeah, you kind of you, you want to cross a barrier you want to cross a hole which which you cannot cross because it's a hole right so that that, that kind of protects the state from collapsing or from doing things which from yeah from from changing its its uh, its its value so this is why this is if he if he had that if he can control on and produce topological qubits um reproducibly and, and safely and um and and efficiently that would help us a lot in battling the biggest problem, namely the um, the, the error correction or the error proneness of, of quantum computing, the decoherence. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so uh, my understanding is from what I have been told that it is really, really difficult to make these things. It's a relatively new um, technology as opposed, for instance, to superconducting computers, which are silicon-based essentially, and we we have learned how to, how to deal with the material and work with the material, or um, trapped ions, because it's also a technique which has been developed uh, a, a lot in the, I believe, 70s, 80s, people started to experiment with this and learn how to control various um, yeah, various kinds of ions, let's put it like this. And there's, there's a lot of research um, 
has gone into into this and we, we understand this very very well um majorana fermions or topological qubits that is something relatively new as you said uh, the result i believe was originally from 2012 uh, around that time at least um, and it was really, really difficult. I mean, back then already people were were skeptical because you know it's really difficult to make these things. Um, so uh, th that is as far, as much as I can say. If we can uh, if we can control this very well, um, this will definitely be uh, an important uh, modality. If we can control this well enough, ever or very soon, is something beyond my expertise. But um, the yeah, there are difficulties, and um, again, this is one of these these occasions where one should kind of be careful about what what to promise yeah i think microsoft is i mean of, of all of the of the does half dozen companies in the world that might be able to pull something like this off microsoft's one of them um but i think it's important Probably. that it's investigated and, and I'm, I'm glad somebody's investigating it because it could Absolutely. be the shortcut to stable you know hunt for to thousands and thousands of stable qubits that's the key is the noise the, the error uh, reduction um, so it's funny when, when you were talking about uh, machine learning, I as the only non-machine learning expert, I'm, I'm machine learning curious, I guess. Um, I didn't understand how quantum computing could contribute since it can't read data. But I think I understand now, I believe basically the, the, the classical computing lines up all the, the possibilities and then you use the quantum computing to figure out the most efficient. You doing that, the way the way it does it that was one approach exactly so um that is indeed a um a problem how how do you load the data onto the quantum computer and there are various um ways in which you can you could say call it an encoding like you project essentially uh, an, a number or a, a representation onto the the quantum state um but uh, the so the, the reason why we why we went for this setup this particular setup is because we we, we faced exactly this problem we ha you have an image say with um, with uh, a few uh, yeah uh, million qubits uh, a few million sorry a few million data points and you you kind of need to extract something from that before you put it onto the uh, onto the quantum computer that was our the, the reason why we went for this uh, approach there are other uh, setups. Um, and there are also machine learning learning algorithms beyond um, neural networks, which are using um, quantum enhancement. Um, they're even very unorthodox. Uh, I would I would call it um, uh, approaches algorithms which don't have a, a, um, a classical counterpart. Uh, like for classification, some people um, a, a very interesting approach I find which I've read about, which I haven't tried. I have to say is to kind of try to learn uh, specific angles in which you can. Um, rotate a qubit uh, according to what the classical data will be, um, and it, it, I mean it's, it's hard to describe uh, without without having a blackboard. But essentially, you're, you're trying to find to, to use the superposition or the, the yeah the, the, the superposition of the qubit to store. Um, to store classical data sequentially and then in the end you say okay it's this all in all this um the classical data more corresponds to an up rather than a down and this is why we classify this as a class up or class zero rather than a class down or class one in a classification problem for instance but this is something which which has no um or an algorithm an approach which has no classical counterpart i haven't tested this particular one i just want to say there is more than neural networks and not necessarily for, for this you only need one qubit right um in order to do this approach um 
And uh, for for uh, neural networks, potentially um, you would like to have hundreds uh, or even more. I have to say though that in our experiments uh, with um, something between eight and ten qubits, we already had the maximum enhancement. We didn't even need more. We could have done more uh, or used more on the machines we used uh, or we experimented with, but this was already um, giving us the, the the maximum. Are you are you using D wave machines or are you using uh, IBM chips? What what are you using for your qubits for these for this experiment? So for for this experiment, we uh, we used IBM machines indeed. Okay. For this particular and, experiment, um, I, so the the new chips must be exciting for you guys then. Oh, uh, they, they definitely are on a very. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, it's not so easy to lay your hands on them, to be honest. Um, so currently, um, I mean, we are based oh, in Germany, and yes, also they're very cold. <laughs> they're also very cold. <laughs> and if you actually touch them, you um, it doesn't do the. the you're the, in trouble. The, you're you're yeah. in trouble. It doesn't do the coherence any good. But. Uh, um, the uh, I mean the, the, the German government has bought a computer um, I, I believe two years ago, which yep. is in Eningen, um, which is the one previous uh, generation of the IBM computer, and um, using or really seeing what what else you can do beyond what we have tried with these hybrid neural networks. Um, if you can get better enhancements, that is, of course, definitely very, very interesting. Um, another thing which which one should really look into is uh, simulations like chemistry, all the, um, the things concerning um, design of batteries, design of better drugs, design of uh, more resistant crops, uh, all of these, uh, tackling all of these uh, important issues for humankind is something where I believe we should, uh, we should really look what we can do with these, uh, with these computers. Um, I, I, I do believe, I mean, that, 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 that has been the, um, the beginning, the, uh, the whole, uh, yeah, the, the conception of the idea of quantum computing, just a bit more than 40 years ago, by the way, uh, it's always attributed to Richard yeah. Feynman, who said, um, yeah, well, nature isn't, isn't classical, it's a quantum nature, fundamentally, it's a quantum, uh, quantum nature. And if you want to make a model of it, don't make it classical, make it quantum. But that's not an easy problem. You already said that in the, that was the next sentence. It's not, an, it doesn't look to be a t uh, too easy problem, uh, which which is right, uh, but again, forty years. How much is forty years for developing such a thing? I, I'm, I'm still pretty impressed with those people who do this. Um, but yeah, so in, in these in these circumstances, which is not really machine learning as, as I perceive it, it's modeling, right? Computers also do modeling and have been doing modeling far before we talked about machine learning. Um, this is definitely something we, we need to look into. I mean, one thing we do in, in that respect actually is um, we, we are looking for these usages as well because we would like to contribute, of course, to projects which are useful, which are delivering some value beyond just monetary value. So we are at the moment uh, looking into various ways of um, of water uh, water networks, water treatment, um, water maintenance. If I can can phrase it like this, we are at the beginning there, but um, but yeah, that, that that is chemistry partially, and that is also networks. Networks is something where yeah, which have tend to have this exponential growth with every node, with every branching, uh, your your network becomes exponentially more complex. Um, and this is usually where, uh, where quantum computers are useful. And there we are trying these two approaches, quantum annealing more for the network structure and um, universal gate-based quantum computing more for the chemistry parts. Um, but th that is something which I have to admit is, is in, a, in a process where we uh, try to understand the problems and try to determine what value we can deliver. And, um, but, but yeah, these are, pro these are all problems you can be thinking about if you want to do good things with quantum computing. 
but getting to <laughs> to the to the what's 40 years right let's just think uh, remember that we needed roughly 60 years to get to the gpus that would really unlock the capacity of of of, of deep learning right but the interesting thing that kind of Caught my attention. You mentioned about those those completely new algorithms that that actually have no counterpart in the classical. One of the things that we were discussing, uh, Patrick and I, with with several guests on on this show, is how we really now see uh, two distinct generations of specialists in the field of, of quantum computing. One, like one, is the biased one, so to uh, say, which is the one that has lived enough to understand classical computing, right, and then. In, in some sort of form or way or shape, trying to make the transition to the, the quantum one. But we start seeing now uh, uh, more and more generations of, of specialists who were actually, like we say, born in the cloud, born in quantum, right? <laughs> Where they have started their entire kind of like scientific and, 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 and learning careers and paths uh, straight in, in, in quantum. And uh, I, I think one of the mistakes that's being made is to like maybe always compare like what is the quantum equi- equivalent of this or mm-hmm. or why don't we have a quantum equivalent of of, of this? Well, yeah. guess what? I think we are not far from a world where we will have things which don't have classical equivalents yeah. to the stuff that we have in in in, in that's quantum, a good point. right? I think if I think the divide is if you learned about a Turing machine in a quantum physics class, quantum computing class. Or a classical computing class. That's the difference. <laughs> when where you learned about Turing. <laughs> Whereas I'm not so sure that if the yeah, Turing yeah. machine is the best picture for uh, a quantum algorithm, uh, by the way. But yes. Uh, <laughs> that's, true. that's true. You got me there. You got me there. <laughs> okay. We need a new model. When you first hear Richard Feynman's name, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, no, um, absolutely. And... Well, one of the things that kind of was was a real surprise to me, at some point we had someone, like we had people who are teaching quantum computing, right, in like universities and things like that. But we had one guest who, uh, the, the gentleman from New York, Patrick, yeah. right, who is actually teaching quantum computing to high school high schools kids. In Brooklyn. Uh, amazing, right? Yeah. And and apparently they like it. I mean, yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, th- there's there's one thing where we really need to step back in in quantum education. Um, we have managed um, to make it sound really, really, really complicated um, for a good reason. Because the going in the beginning of the uh, of the the last century, uh, sorry, the last um, yeah, nineteen hundred somethings. Um, Getting rid of the classical conceptions which you need uh, and, and to develop such a thing is very, very, very complicated. And to go from one to the other, go from quantum to classical, there, I, 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 I want to give or, or uh, agree that there are some, some things which are maybe not entirely understood. But these, these are more of philosophical and fundamental relevance than for, of practical relevance. Practically, we know super super well what is happening and it's a, it's a it's a no question um it is it is very well understood that quantum mechanics or measuring quantum systems is statistical in nature and we don't care about the individual outcome and all of these things which have been troubling people and are still troubling people that is of no relevance for a practitioner and if you once you once you accept not to care about this, uh, I mean, what, what some uh, some critical physicists call the, the shut up and calculate um, approach, 
Um, but once, once, once you, no, it, it's not my turn. But uh, it's it, once you once you manage to um, to 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 uh, to agree with that and to do this. Um, it is quantum mechanics or quantum information is not that difficult. It is something that with uh, vector spaces and a bit of linear algebra, you can very easily teach. And yes, we can teach that to high school students. You just need to make sure not to uh, obscure what you want to get across with all the philosophical and the fundamental questions of quantum mechanics, which are difficult and which are probably not completely answered. And that is why sometimes physicists don't make very good quantum computing specialists because they ask all these questions which are not always relevant which doesn't mean maybe actually some of the advancements are hidden in these fundamental questions or the potential advancements so maybe when we get better there we'll be able to make better chips we'll be able to devise better um better error correction mechanisms we will understand to how to control quantum systems better i i believe that this might all be the case and i'm not advocating to stop researching them um, i'm just saying if you want to understand how a quantum computer works and if and and to understand quantum algorithms um, sometimes forgetting about all these fundamental problems will help you and then it's not so difficult anymore and that is also i, I believe something we should really um try to help people because in the end if uh, the, it, it is fun for a while to be the only guy in the room who understands the uh, quantum mechanics, right? And quantum computing and the whole lonely. quantum thing. But you get lonely, and <laughs> at, at some point, people start to distrust you for a good reason. And the more people are understanding that this is the, the, okay, this is how it works. This is really something I can grasp at least uh, without doing all the complicated calculation, but grasping what is happening there and w what is a superposition, what is entanglement. Ah, okay, the, the, to form a picture, then they start to trust in the technology and they, they start to trust that this can actually be done because in the end it's not so difficult um that yeah at least that's my my approach so i appreciate I all the superhero i use the superhero analogy i say you have to suspend disbelief and believe that superman can fly <laughs> you have to believe these suit these qubits because it cuts through things very quickly we're, we're starting to get to close to 40 minutes and it, as usual it goes by very quickly is there anything else cyprian that we want to talk about before we close out anything else johannes that you'd like to bring up yeah, yeah, Patrick. I can think at least of a dozen other subjects that would keep <laughs> us going probably for another 40 minutes. <laughs> Easily. This is just getting warming up. So yeah. I think we should we should definitely uh, consider uh, at some point inviting Johannes again on our show. Oh, uh, thank you. I would be glad to come again. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. Excellent. Um, on that note, I think we'll call it a day and we look forward to talking to you again soon and uh, hopefully... Everyone got a kick out of it as much as we did. <laughs> Thank you very much, Patrick. This was fun. It, it was a, a real pleasure. Thank you for being with us. Thanks a lot, Cyprian. Thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure. That's because you outnumber me. There's two, there's, there's two machine learning people and only one of me. So, you know, I'm outnumbered this time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.